0: Boy, when I heard the, the organ crank out the first few notes of Mighty Fortress is Our God, I got all excited primarily because that's when those hymns Tim won't let me sing. Because we argue about it all the time. Because the first line of it is a bulwark never failing. He said, Andy, what's a bulwark? And I say, it's a big old wall. A mighty fortress is our God, a big old wall never failing. But that makes it sound like we're in Bogachito, so we can't sing that, so... I love that hymn, and I love that anthem. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Frank and Alan and Tim, for all of your hard work each week to make our worship so meaningful. Our our New Testament passage, our gospel passage, is going to come from Luke, Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 32, a parable you know quite well. I invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. It's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. When he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has gotten back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen. For all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, he who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, has come back to life. He was lost. And has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the transformative events of my life, one of the transformative things that I did in my life was I took an amazing class called Disciple Bible Study. Some of you may be familiar with the Disciple. Some of you may have taken it. I, I've had the opportunity in my life to have taken it as a student when I was a freshman in college and then had the chance to teach it later in ministry. Disciple is its an intensive 32-week class where you are digging into the Scriptures. I mean, you're reading four or five chapters of the Bible a night. You're going through a book of the Bible a week, and at the end of this class, you will have covered... Pretty much eighty-five percent of the Bible, and you're going to have really dug into it. I mean, this is not going to be like reading a devotional and calling it a day. You're reading an hour or two a night to prepare for this, and then the class the the, the the class meetings are two to three hours a week. But it is so transformative and so amazing to dig in that deep into God's Word on a weekly basis. I, I took it like I said, I took it as a freshman. It was in that time period. One of the my teacher looked at me and said, you're going to be a preacher. I looked at him and said, you're insane. But it was so good. And one of the things I loved about Disciple is when you would study a book that week, it would would summarize, you know, Matthew, da, 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 da. And I will never forget the week we studied Luke. It gave a description of Luke in the title. And it said, Luke, the least, the last, and the lost. And that's what, Luke's, that's what Luke is. Luke is the gospel of the least, the last, and the lost. Luke is the gospel of the underdog. Luke is the gospel that, that tells you about the folk nobody else is thinking about. Like, for instance, let's look at Luke's gospel, the story of Christmas. The, the, the Luke Christmas story is the one we're familiar with. It's the, it's the famous when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You know, the one we read every Christmas Eve. We, we all know and love the Luke Christmas story. But when you read the Luke Christmas story, who's the star of the show? I mean, outside of Jesus. Who's the person in the Luke story that every kid wants to play? And every mama wants their kid to play. The shepherds. Oh, bless. You got those cute little shepherds with their cute little sheep, and they are just precious. Here's the problem. If you remember, Jesus talked about shepherds and the sheep pen and like how they slept at the gate. Shepherds slept with their sheep, y'all. Like, and I got a dog I sleep with, it. it's not fun. Can you imagine sleeping with a bunch of sheep? You're going to stink, okay? Let's just be honest. And there's no shower power. There's no traveling showers. You're out there with a bunch of sheep and the dirt, and you stink. Nobody likes shepherds, and nobody wanted their kid to be a shepherd because their kid was going to stink. These are also grown men, Remember David talking about when he was a shepherd and what he did with the lion came after him? He killed the lion. These are big, strong, sweaty, dirty men. They aren't cute. They're the outcast. They're the one nobody's thinking about. They're the one nobody wants to come around. But yet who is it that's the star of the Christmas story in Luke? It's the shepherds. Luke is the story of the least, the last, and the lost. So I think of that when I read this parable. In fact, if you, I, I preach Sundays from the New Revised Standard Version, and I think I shared this with you before. Every time I come to a church, I preach in what I think is the most commonly read Bible, and I have a very complicated formula where I figure that out. I go in the sanctuary, and I look what's in the pew, and that's what I preach from. That's the pew Bible of this church. That's where I preach from. So other churches I've been at, I preach from the NIV, New International Version. And I really like that one a lot. I'm saying this to say that every Bible, when you read it, is going to have, uh, and the section you read from is going to have a title for that section. So, for instance, my Bible calls this section the parable of the prodigal and his brother. Okay, but before that is the parable of the lost sheep, verses 1 through 7. Eight through ten is the parable of the lost coin. And then this one is the parable of the prodigal and his brother. The NIV has the parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. The parable of the lost brothers. It's the prodigal son, sure. But it's really a story of two brothers, both of whom are lost. So we're going to pack into that, pack it, look into that. day. Before we get into that one, there are a few things I really want to kind of highlight, as I like to do, about what you might find interesting or neat in this story. Uh, a, a few things that are just really interesting today. Um, first, let's talk about, uh, the prodigal is going to be a good guy in the end, but let's start about where we start off with our prodigal friend here. Okay, the story is very clear to establish that he's a brat at first. Because you know what he does the first thing? He goes to his dad and said, hey, dad, um, I need you to hurry up and die. It would be really convenient for me if you could die now. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me what's mine. Like, you are living far too long, which is really cramping my style. So why don't you just go ahead and give me my inheritance, and we'll call it even, okay? You good with that? Not a good look. Wasn't a good look then, not a good look now. That's what he does. He goes to death and says, give me, give me, give me, give me mine. Die now. And so the, the, the teachings of the Jewish elders are you don't do this. The rabbi said you do not do it. The rabbi said the, the younger son gets half of what the older son should get. So, like, this guy is just taking advantage of his father. And we see the father because the father in the story is full of grace. He does it. But the the older, the younger son, the prodigal, looks bad, man. He's telling his dad to drop dead. That's what he's basically doing. And then we see him take this, the inheritance he had, and goes off to a foreign country. And it says he he squandered it all. He blows it all. And he winds up feeding pigs and wishing he could have the pods they ate. There's no. Like in addiction therapy, you talk about hitting rock bottom. This man hit rock bottom. That for a Jewish boy, there's no worse fate than this. This is literally as bad as it could go. This is as low as you could possibly be. This is an Ole Miss fan having to sell cowbells. This is a this is this is a state fan having to sell seersucker suits. I mean, this is this is as bad as it gets. You you, you don't come back from this. So there he is, and the, and the scripture says. He comes to himself. It's like he wakes up. It's like he wakes up. He comes to himself and says, he comes to himself and says, ah, okay. I okay. And I like that scripture. Stuff. He has humility because he understands, I, I don't deserve to be a son again. Like, that ship sailed. I, I, he does not go back to the father expecting to be back in the family. No, 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 no. He, he never says that. He knows he has lost the ability to ever be called a son again. That ship sailed. He knows there's no way he's ever welcome back in the family. How could he be? I mean, he told his father to die. Then he lost half his inheritance. How how could he ever be welcomed back in the family? He understands what he's done. He's he's reached rock bottom. And he understands what he's done. He's just like, Dad, just just take me. Just take me back to one of your hired hands. Just let me be a servant to you. I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be called your son. Total and humility at the reality of the situation. So, we're going to talk about the dad in a second, but then let's talk about Big Brother. One of my mentors used to always say, Anytime in Scripture you hear something mentioned repeatedly, then you know it's a big deal. Okay, what kind, what kind of calf did they kill here for the son? Fat calf. Okay, so we hear that. One of, one of the things we've got to understand in Scripture is we need to always read the Bible or try to understand the Bible. Through the, through the lenses or the eyes of the first audience. Because I hear fatted calf, I just think that's a big cow. They just killed the biggest cow they got out there. I all just a big old cow, no big deal. It's kind of like when I first read the Bible and I heard of Jesus going into the wilderness to pray. I'm in Oh, well, He grew up, he went out in the woods. That's all we had out there was woods. In Israel, you see it's a desert. So the fatted calf, okay, just a big cow, cool. That's a lot of hamburger meat. The fatted calf was a very specific thing. This wasn't just a big cow. This was a calf that had been bir- that from birth had been raised for a specific purpose, to be sacrificed upon the altar. This was not just prime cut of meat. This was a cow that was reserved for the worship of God. This was a cow that had been raised from birth to be sacrificed as an act of of worship to God. So Dad's not just throwing a party. He's not just breaking out the fire in China. But he's worshiping God because a resurrection had occurred. This is not just a party to celebrate. This is a this is this is this is a foreshadowing of resurrection. One who was dead is alive and as loving God must be worshiped because life has triumphed over death. This is not just a party. This is a worship service. This is a celebration of God's goodness. But um, big brother doesn't like this, does he? Can't you hear him? <laughs> That's sorry. No account. And notice he doesn't say, he doesn't say, my brother squandered. He said, this son of yours this son of yours took your inheritance, by the way, which was mine as well, took it and squandered it and wasted it. And when he's telling the, telling the fathers this, hey, guess what, dad? This is your fault too, because you gave it to him. This is your fault. you dad, you're just as guilty as he is. Cause yeah, he's stupid. But you you enabled him. You made him. do. You let him do this. This is your fault. So not only in the older brother's mind is the younger son guilty of sin, but his father is guilty of sin. Your son did this. Can't you feel the judgment and the self-righteousness dripping off of the older brother? This son of yours squandered with prostitutes. He wasted it. And you wouldn't even give me a young goat to celebrate with my, my friends. But this son of yours, this son of yours, that you were just as guilty as him, did this. What's the dad do? He sees the older not even coming into the party. You can almost see him outside stewing, can't you? See him on like a hill overlooking the house, just getting madder and madder. How everybody is, that loser came home. And he goes out to him and says, your brother, yeah, we had to kill the fatted calf because we had a resurrection. (laughs) He was dead. But he's come back to us it's not a story of one lost son story of two lost sons two sons lost to sin one son was lost to the sin of lack of righteousness (laughs) he went off and squandered He went off and lived sinfully, immoral, unethical, illegal. Threw it all away with sinful, immoral living. One son was lost to the sin of lack of righteousness. One sin was lost to the sin of self-righteousness. One son's out there acting like a fool, living like the world, doing all kind of sinful, awful stuff. But at least this son came to his senses, didn't he? At least the prodigal hit rock bottom and realized that he needed the father. And in many ways, it's the older brother that has the more dangerous sin. Because here's the thing about the older brother, the younger brother, the prodigal, He hit rock bottom and realized he needed the grace of the Father. The older boy, he doesn't really need the Father because he's been working. Have I not been like a slave to you for your entire life? When have I ever done anything wrong? Look at me, Father, and you don't even care. That son of yours, he's acting like a fool, and you give him what he wants. But look at me. Look at me. Look how good I am. Look how righteous I am. And look at him. There are some of us today that are the prodigal. That think we have done too much. And think there's no way we can return home. And that if we ever do return home, we'll be lucky just to get in the front door. But friends, If you're the prodigal today, you are just as much a son or daughter of your father today as you were in any day. You are not a servant of God. You're a child of God. You've never gone too far. You've never done too much. You are loved as much now as you have ever been. Not because you've earned it, but because you are His, and He loves you. Some of us this morning have been the prodigal, or maybe the prodigal, and we are lost in the sin of unrighteousness. But y'all, if we're gonna be honest, a lot of us face a more dangerous battle because we're lost in the sin of self-righteousness. And we run the risk of being like that older brother with our, our judgment And our condescension towards them, whoever they are, almost dripping off of us. Because we're so convinced of our righteousness. That was me. When I was younger, when I first got saved. I'm not saying when I first got saved I was the greatest Christian ever. I was top five. I I was definitely top five. I mean, the Lord got lucky when he got me. I mean, he was doing some good scouting and some good drafting. I mean, when he picked me, he knew what he's doing. I mean, because I was hot stuff back then. Those of us who are trying to do right, those of us who are trying to behave, those of us who are trying to be faithful, if we're not careful, we'll fall into the sin of the older brother. We'll fall into the sin of... Of self-righteousness. And we don't think that we really need God all that much. In fact, we're not the lucky one God is. Because he's got us. Story of two lost brothers. One lost to to lack of righteousness. One lost to self-righteousness. Where do we find ourselves today in the story, friends? I told you I wanted to come back to the Father in just one second. One of my favorite books of all time, you've heard me mention it before. It's by Philip Yancey entitled What's So Amazing About Grace? And there's a great portion in that book where Yancey um, goes to the Middle East and reads this story to people. And, um, you know, cultures have changed and things have changed. There's probably no part of the world that has remained as straight a through line culturally as the Middle East. The Middle East culture today, frankly, is not that different than Jesus' day. Like, it's pretty much the same. So he read this story to, to men in that culture and said, asked them what stood out. What stood out to them? And without fail... Every one of these men said this. The thing that stood out to them was this the fact that the father ran to the son. Men do not run in that culture, that's what children and women do. But men do not run in that culture. That is beneath a proper man in that culture. No man would ever shame himself as much as to seem to be running publicly. That is embarrassing. And that is beneath the stature of a proper man. What does the father do here when he sees the son coming? He runs to him. This father in this story embarrasses himself with how much he loves the sons. You serve a father who so lavishes you with love and mercy and grace that frankly, friends, it's almost embarrassing how much you're loved. It's a story of two lost brothers. One lost to the sin of lack of righteousness. One lost to the sin of self-righteousness. Today, friends, where do we find ourselves? No matter where we find ourselves, you have a father who lavishes you with his love. Let us be thankful. Let's pray.